So you guys know that belief in the resurrection is not just an appendage to the Christian faith, but it is the Christian faith. Amen. So as long as Jesus lay in the grave, there was no assurance of the redemptive work was acceptable to God. So the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead was evidence that the Father had set, was satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus had made for all men. And this is illustrated for us as we consider the picture of the Jews waiting outside the temple. Okay, The high priest would go in to make a sacrifice in that most holy place. And it didn't always take. And they would sit there and they would wait for the high priest to come back out. As we see in Luke chapter 2 verse 21, therefore you know, indicating that the sacrifice worked. He came out! He's alive! It worked. But that only covered for a time. Do you guys understand the sacrifice of Christ has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west? We read that at Men's Bible Study this week. That's uh, true. So, this morning, okay, our title is Because He Rose. And because He rose, He proved uh, who He said He was. Okay, He proved it. Someone said the stone was rolled away from the door not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. So the angels at the tomb said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Come and see. And for some today, it's going to be the first time they come and see. Oh, wow. Never looked into this. I've done a whole lot of egg hunting and bunnies my whole life. But this reality, (laughs) I've never looked into this. I've never considered this. You see, in Christ, if Christ had remained in the grave as other men had done, there would have been no uh, reasonable ground to impose faith in him. You guys know that Confucius' tomb? Um, It's occupied. You think about Buddha's tomb. It's occupied. Muhammad's tomb. It's occupied. Jesus' tomb? It's empty! He's risen. You see, Jesus oftentimes based his authority for his teachings and his truth of his claims on the resurrection from the dead. He said, hey, put it all on that, guys. That's how you know this is all true. This is how you know that I am deity, that I am God. You see, the Pharisees... um, in seeking a sign from him, got a response. In Matthew 12, 38, it says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus lays that out pretty clear. In John chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, He said this, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years for us to build this massive, huge temple. And you're going to raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body, the resurrection. Okay, therefore, when he had raised from the dead. And then in Matthew 28, verse 6, he is not here for he is risen, as he said. Don't you guys love that scripture? As he said, he kept saying it, guys. He's not here because he's risen, just like he told us 
he was going to do. And then Romans 1.4 tells us that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So Christ made, or was not made the Son of God by the res- resurrection, but declared such. And declared means to mark off, to define, to set apart. So the empty tomb testifies to the deity of Christ. So just for perspective sake, guys, the Easter bunny never rose from the dead. So because he rose, there's five things I want to look at with you guys this morning. Peace, position, a privileged body, uh, power, and a payday. So, because he rose, we have peace. And aren't you guys thankful for the peace of God? Do you know that's what the world is looking for? To be at peace with their maker. And they're trying so hard in their own efforts, this and that, and they can't find it. And you only can truly find it when you come to faith in Christ. You see, we're told that peace, I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace, I give to you, not as the world gives to you. So Jesus even promised something unique that he alone was able to give, a unique peace. So the first thing Jesus brings to his disciples after the resurrection is what? Peace. Isn't that cool? And do you guys think they probably needed that after seeing Jesus die upon the cross, get buried? You guys, you guys if you were there, would you want peace? Absolutely. We read in John chapter 20, if you guys want to turn there, we're going to read a chunk of scriptures. John chapter 20, we'll pick it up in verse 19. But I want you guys to catch, this is right after the resurrection, and I want you guys to see Jesus addressing peace and how important it is in light of his resurrection now. We'll pick it up in verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples had assembled, for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood to them in the midst, okay? He now died, been buried, has now risen, and now he just appears to these guys. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So he appears. And what is the first thing he says to them? Peace be with you. Okay? I would have to hear that. I'd be tripping out. Wouldn't you guys? Whoa! Jesus just appeared! I'd be freaking out! (laughs) I'd have to hear him say, peace, (laughs) chill out, son, (laughs) it's all good. And then he says in verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. You guys remember he had been stabbed in the side, okay? So he showed them the scars. And the disciples, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands the print of the nails. And I put my fingers into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. 
And Jesus came, the door being shut, and stood in the midst, and he said, peace to you. I love it, guys. So, we also see in 1 Peter um, chapter 1, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Okay? Do you guys know that there's more peace that God has for us? Peace be multiplied. And there's just some days we need that. <laughs> and that's something Jesus wants to give to us. And then he goes on to say, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, right? Why is it living? Because Jesus is alive through what? The resurrection. That's why we have this. This is why we can have peace multiplied. Because Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. So it is the very... God of peace, who brought up our Lord from the dead, who will give us this peace as we see in Hebrews 13, verse 20. So Jesus brings peace when troubles blow. Jehovah sees, Jehovah knows. He brings peace when sorrows near. Jehovah sees, Jehovah hears. And it's because he's alive. Because he rose, we also have position. Position. That's one thing I think a lot of people are trying for in life. If I just get to that spot in my career, just have that position, then everything's going to be okay. You guys, you know what? All that stuff doesn't matter. There's only one position that matters in this life. Are you a son or a daughter of God's? That's the only position. Are you part of his family? And I want to talk to you younger guys for a second. Kids, listen up. Just because mom and dad are children of God, that doesn't automatically make you children of God. Do you know that God doesn't have any grandchildren? He only has kids. And that's why you personally have to put your faith in Jesus and have a position as his son, his daughter. And when you do that, you can call your mom or dad, hey, bro, hey, sister, because <laughs> you're a part of God. Is that cool? I do that to my kids once in a while. They look at me, Dad, you're weird. But it's true, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, what I'd like to look at with you guys, we looked at this on Friday night. Again, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, first four verses, there's this position of salvation that's laid out. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And that's where we left off on Friday night. But it continues on and says what? And that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. If we just left it at he was buried... We'd be wasting our time this morning. But it's because he rose from the dead. We have something to celebrate. We have something that is real, tangible, worth celebrating. Also, we see a position of new birth is given. First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth. We have new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Don't you guys love that scripture? We've been given this. We can't do that ourselves. We also have a position of new life. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, after Jesus proved to Thomas that 
he had a resurrected body and was not a ghost. It says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So the Apostle John wrote this gospel for one purpose, that you would believe. Why is John always the book that we tell people to read? Hey, you don't know Jesus? Here's a Bible. Read the Gospel of John first. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Look, all of his life, all that he did, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He is God, just like he said, and he alone is Savior, just like he said. He proved it. Beautiful. So, next point. Because he rose, we have a prearranged body. Are you guys wanting a new body? I sure am. I had a different pair of pants I wanted to wear this morning. Just did not fit. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I could use a new body. But the reality is, I'm going to get one one day. I can't wait. So, we have, we have a prearranged body because he rose from the dead. So what is it that gives a widow courage as she stands behind, beside a fresh grave? What is the ultimate hope to the cripple? or to the amputee, or to the abused, or to a burn victim? How can the parents of a brain-damaged or physically handicapped children keep from living their entire lives bitter? Why would anyone who is blind or deaf or paralyzed be encouraged when they think of life beyond? How can we see past the martyrdom of some helpless hostage or devoted missionary? Where do the thoughts of a young couple go when they finally recover from the grief of losing a baby? When a family receives the tragic news that a little daughter was found dead and their dad was killed in a plane crash or a son overdosed on drugs, what single truth becomes the whole focus? What is the final answer to pain, to mourning, to insanity, to terminal illness, sudden calamities, fatal accidents? Well, the hope of a bodily resurrection. This body's not it, guys. Short time. You see, the key, and I love John fourteen nineteen. the key for the Christian hope is that what the Lord said, because I live, you shall live also. That's our hope, guys. Because he rose from the dead, we will continue to live on. Also, the body is sown in corruption, we're told, and is raised in incorruption. Is that going to be a beautiful thing? You guys understand what that's saying? The bodies you guys have now, <laughs> you're not going to have for all time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to get new ones. And in another place, the Apostle Paul says this, for our citizenship is in the United States of America. Oh, wait, sorry, wrong translation. For our citizenship is where? In heaven, right? from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that we may be conformed to his glorious body. Isn't that an awesome promise? Have you guys ever studied that out? There's a lot of scriptures that speak into this truth. Um, it's a particular doctrine that's just to Christianity, guys. Okay, And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus. I love it. So of the body, not immortality of the soul. You see, Jesus redeems the body and the soul. That's the uniqueness to the living God. As Jesus was raised incorruptible and glorious and powerful, so shall it be with his people. So Christ is the first fruits 
the saints in the resurrection, bodies are to be the harvest. So if our bodies through uh, mortal now are destined to experience a glorious resurrection, then we should regard them as consecrated things. So if your only hope is in this life, you know, cry out, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? But those who have Christian hope, they dare not. You see, we dare not um, do that through the abusing of our bodies. You see, Paul prayed, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the resurrection throws a sense of consecration over the present bodily life, which we miss otherwise. Next one, because he rose, we have power. So Paul prayed that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Okay, Have you guys ever prayed that? Do you think you should pray it? Apostle Paul prayed it. It's probably a good thing to pray, especially if he took the time to write it out in Scripture and let us know, hey, I should be praying that too, that we would know him, okay, have fellowship with him and know the power of his resurrection. So we are sown in weakness but raised in power. It is the difference of a butterfly and the caterpillar or the spreading tree and the seed from which it springs. From the egg which contained it in the singing bird on the wing, in Abraham's body now dead, in his seed as the stars of heaven, in Jacob departing alone and returning a great multitude, in Israel going down to Egypt in famine and with a family of only 70, in returning with 600,000, in the spoils of Egypt, it is sown in weakness and is raised in power. Isaac Williams said that. I want to read with you guys Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. It says the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So there is this exceeding great power that is for the believers according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Don't you guys love the word of God? We have all of this because he lives, guys. Because he lives. And if you're not in Christ, if you don't believe in him, you're missing out on this stuff. You will never have it. It's only in Christ. You see, all soldiers and high priests could not keep the body of Christ in the tomb. Death itself could not hold Jesus in bonds. And even thus, irresistible is the power put forth in the believer when he is raised in the newness of life. Think about that. No sin. How many of you guys are ready for that? You know, that's like my favorite thing about heaven, I think. Like, I'm stoked. I'm finally going to get to see Jesus. But I get to see Jesus in this life. You know, I get glimpses of him. And my sin, I think, cripples or impairs me seeing him correctly. And just to be sinless, to be set free from that, just to be able to love him like he loves me, it's going to be wonderful. For us to be able to love each other because there's no self tied to it any longer. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Anyways, no sin, no corruption, no devil, no sinner on earth will be able to hold us down either. And because he rose, we have a payday. We have a payday. Um, in Luke chapter 14, 
verses 12 to 14, it says this. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you are repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Isn't that cool? Okay, I'm going to be repaid. Don't you love that God has a heart for those that are just down and out? He's asked us, because we are his kids, we have that position. Hey, go love, serve others. Don't expect anything back, you know? And the cool thing is, we're still going to get rewarded. And it's going to be in the next life that is for all time, for eternity. And I'd rather receive than than now anyways, right? Amen. So, um, it's kind of like a missionary couple that had been working in Africa for years. They were returning to New York uh, to retire. On the same uh, ship, Teddy Roosevelt was returning from a hunting trip. The wife started getting bitter for all the fanfare given to the president and none after all their years of service. The president received a tremendous homecoming. The missionaries, they went unnoticed until she remembered she wasn't home yet. You see, the Lord promises us a payday at our resurrection. So don't be discouraged, dear saint. Okay. And because he rose, he proved who he said he was. And because he rose, we have peace, position, prearranged body, power, and even a payday promised. So Christ's burial was in the garden. We're told in John chapter 19, verse 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new to- a tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Okay? So in the garden, we have the fall of man, right? And in a garden, we have the rising of a man. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believe, or lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the only question that is going to matter in this life. Do you believe this personally? Again, it doesn't matter what mom and dad believe. It doesn't matter what they say that religion might believe. What do you say about Jesus Christ? Who he is? Okay, for you guys who are here on Friday, you knew that I took my kids to the graveyard on Friday. We did a walkthrough. And most of them, and I'm looking on graveyards, I'm trying to find cool things to share with you guys. Most of them had nothing. It was a name, a date, a little dash, and another date. Born, lived, died. That was probably 95% of the tombs, graves, stones that we saw. That was it. You guys know that little bitty dash is the only thing that matters in this life? And in that little bitty dash, what do you do with Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he's the resurrection of life or you don't? (laughs) It's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter how successful you were, how good you were, all that you accomplished. It doesn't matter, guys. What did you do with Jesus Christ? I love Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts today 
I love Easter Sunday. Okay? The reality of the resurrection is something I get to live in every day. My heart breaks that some Christians only come to church on Easter because the reality of the resurrection, man, that's, that's life. That's everything. We should celebrate it every day. <laughs> I mean, I feel like once a week's not even enough on a Sunday. We get to celebrate. That's the truth. So, before you can receive peace, position, or pre, you know, prearranged body, power, and a payday from the resurrection, you must stop at the cross first. You must stop at the cross, and you must recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made, the blood that he shed, a new covenant that was established, and all who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, he died to be our Savior, and he lives to be our Lord. A lot of people want a Savior. I don't want to go to hell. I want eternal life. But you guys know that he's our Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Lord, he gets to call the shots. Okay, that's part of the belief. Because you can believe in Jesus, but he not be your Lord. You guys understand that? There's a whole difference when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. So, arise, O soul, this Easter day. Forget the tomb of yesterday, for thou from bondage art set free. Thou sharest in victory, and life eternal is for thee. Because the Lord is risen for me. Love it. You see, our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, not in books alone, but every leaf in the springtime. He rose in the spring as the spring comes after the deadness of winter. He rose in the morning, which comes after the darkness of life. You see, Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, we are thankful for that truth. We are thankful for life in you, Jesus, and that you came to give it abundantly. Lord, and I just want to pray for these brothers and sisters of mine, God, that you'd help each and every one of us really to receive all that you have for us in this life. God, we know that you accomplished everything for all time, and we thank you for that gift. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you overcame hell, sin, death. You proved it. You rose from the dead. Lord, and we do pray for many today will go to church just because it's Easter Sunday. And many will walk through many different doors to hear the gospel message. And for some, they don't believe. It'll be another year of just doing a, a tradition. We pray that you'd open hearts and eyes this day, that many would see you are so worthy, Father, to receive the reward of your sufferings. God, so we just pray that you would bring many to know you, and we praise your children, the position that you've given us as sons and daughters. Lord, we get to enjoy so much, but you also have called us to much. We get to be ambassadors for you, and we want to represent you well. We know that this is not our home. We're just passing through. So we humbly ask, Father, that you give us the grace and the boldness, Lord, to shine for you, Jesus to speak the good news to others. We pray in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.